and God just said it boils down to people people need the Lord old song this morning but God pricked my heart to sing it today so I hope it blesses yours
Thank you, Brother Terry. Terry was sick last week, and he wasn't able to be here. I think someone told him that if he wasn't here today that I was going to sing solo, and he did everything he could to get better. Matthew chapter 7. If you brought your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 7. And then we want to look at John chapter 3. Both familiar passages. Matthew 7. And we'll look at verse 21. And John chapter 3. And we'll look at verses 1 through 11. This morning I want to share a sermon I've simply entitled, A Committed Follower. A Committed Follower. And we'll look at Matthew chapter 7, and let's, uh, let's, let's look at verse 15. Let's begin with verse 15. He says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly there are raven wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes or thorns or figs of, of uh, thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Keep that scripture marked, if you would, and turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and we'll look at verse 1 through 11. Another familiar chapter. John 3 verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say, or I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witnesses. 
a committed follower. Remind you of Matthew chapter 7. As we read that passage, Matthew 7 is a very sobering chapter in the Bible. When the Lord said, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father, which is in heaven. That's very sobering. It'll get your attention. It should. It'll wake you up. It'll cause you to begin to evaluate your relationship with Jesus Christ. And in that passage, Jesus is telling of a day when everyone who has ever lived will stand before him and some who thought that they were followers will hear him say there in verse 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And they began to share things that they had experienced and things that they had accomplished and things that they had done. And really deep down inside, they really thought they were a follower of Jesus. Now, he says, depart. I never knew you. God's been dealing with me for some time and preparing me to preach on the subject of commitment. And one day I was over at Lifeway and I picked up a, a resource book. This resource book I picked up is entitled Not a Fan. And it's written by Kyle Adelman. And uh, does a great job. And uh, his, the subtitle of this book is Becoming a Completely Committed Follower of Jesus Christ. And Adelman suggests that the best way to determine that if we're a committed follower of Jesus Christ is to have a DTR talk with Jesus. Every boy, every girl who dates has a DTR talk. Every man, every woman who is, is, in, is romantically involved, they have a DTR talk. Had an opportunity to kind of question Mike Norton this morning. And I was asking, and he, he had no idea what DTR meant, but, but uh, he said, what does that mean? I said, well, I'll, I'll share it with you later. And he began to share with me a DTR talk that he and Gina had before they got married. Terry Wilburn shared the DTR talk before Martha ever asked him to marry her. <laughs> If you believe that, you'll believe anything. I was asking Joel a few minutes ago. He shared about their DTR talk before they were married. I can remember, <laughs> I mean, I remember my first DTR talk with Judy about the second or third date. I remember our DTR talk before I asked her to go steady. I remember our DTR talk before I gave her an engagement ring and, and then I went that I went in debt for and she went to Lorch's Diamond Shop and made the payment every month about four months after we got married. <laughs> I might have told you more than I should have, but <laughs> we had a DTR talk when we were engaged. A DTR talk will strike fear into an individual. 
So much so that oftentimes some people will terminate a relationship when they sense a DTR talk is coming. And Alderman defines a DTR talk as define the relationship. It's an official talk, he says, that takes place in a relationship to determine the level of commitment. You remember your DTR talks? You want to find out where you stand in that relationship before you advance from one stage to the next stage? And you just have to sit down at the table or in the car or on the front porch and see really if you're going to be able to ask the question if she or he is willing to go to the next level of that relationship. Maybe sometimes they get in a hurry and on the first or second date somebody mentions the DTR talk and they abandon that. I'm not going back with her, you know. I'm not ready for that. That's DTR talk. You want to find out where you stand in that relationship to see if we've moved from our infatuations and our, admi- our, our, our admirations toward a deeper devotion and a deeper dedication to the point of our, our, our level of commitment. Where do we stand with each other? And so with all of that said, this morning Jesus Christ looks at each one of us and he says it's time for you to have a DTR talk with me. He wants to know how you feel about him. He wants to know what if your relationship with him is just a weekend thing or a Sunday morning thing. Or if it's an exclusive thing. What's your level of commitment when it comes to Jesus Christ? Have you experienced a transformation in your life? I'm reading a book called Transformation Discipleship and Transformation Church. It's about being transformed. Has the Holy Spirit transformed your life to the point to where you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you experienced a transformation? Are you just going and you're experiencing religion? What is your level in becoming a disciple? What is your level in regards to your commitment to prayer and Bible study and evangelism? What is your level of commitment to church attendance? To come and hear the word taught or, or hear the word uh, taught or, or preached. Is your level, is it just Sunday morning or are you eager for the word on Sunday night? Or are you eager for the word on Wednesday night? Or are you studying the word during the week? What is your level of commitment in church attendance and, or in Bible study or evangelism? What's your level of commitment in regards to the love for the body of Christ? The local congregation. What is your level of commitment in serving the body of Christ? Using your spiritual gifts that God has blessed you with. What is your level of commitment in giving to the body of Christ financially to support the ministries of the church? What is your level of commitment? So it's time to define the relationship. Am I a committed follower of Jesus Christ?
Recently, I drove past First Baptist Church, Phil Campbell, and on their marquee, they had this statement. Stadiums are full and churches are half empty. Anybody see that besides me? If you went by, I hope you noticed that. Churches, stadiums are full and churches are half empty. I just googled Bryant-Denny Stadium. Bryant-Denny Stadium opened in 1929. First opened in 1929. And it had 12,000 seat capacity. It's expanded seven times, four times since 1988. And the new $65 million complex that was added... Now think of that, $65 million on a football stadium. Now I'm not saying that in a negative way, because all universities, universities spend millions of dollars on sports complex. And we think it's terrible or ironic if we spend money on building a church building. Now I'm just, I'm just, don't, you know, I'm just sharing with you. $65 million. And at present, and by the way, it's the fifth largest stadium, collegiate stadium in the United States. Presently, because of that addition, it will see 101,000. Ohio State, number two, or number three, or number four, I'm sorry, seats 102,329. Tennessee, Neyland Stadium, seats 102,455. Penn State, seats 107,901. And the largest collegiate stadium in the United States, Michigan, seats 109,901. There are a lot of football fans. But Jesus did not call us to be a fan. Amen. He called us to be a follower of His. And I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you something that's really sad. And I hope this is not speaking of you. But most people whose names are on the roll in churches today are just fans and are not followers. Alderman gives a definition, a dictionary definition of a fan. He said this, he says a fan, the dictionary definition, is an enthusiastic admirer. Listen to what he says in his book. An enthusiastic admirer. It's the guy who goes to the football game with no shirt and a painted chest. He sits in the stands and chairs for his teams or his team, he's got a signed jersey hanging on the wall at home, multiple bumper stickers on the back of his car, but he's never in the game. He never breaks a sweat or takes a hard hit in the open field. He knows all about the players. He can rattle off the latest, the, the latest stats, but he doesn't know the players. He yells, he cheers, but nothing is really required of him. There is no sacrifice that he has to make. And the truth is, as excited as he seems, if the team he's cheering for starts to let him down and has a few off-season... His passion will wane pretty quickly. After several losing seasons, you can expect him to jump off the van wagon 
and begin cheering for some other team, he's an enthusiastic admirer. And then he goes on to say, and I think Jesus had a lot of fans these days. I think Jesus has a lot of fans these days. Fans who cheer for him when things are going well, but who walk away when it's a difficult season. Fans who sit safely in the stands cheering, but they know nothing of the sacrifice and the pain of the field. Fans of Jesus who know all about him, but they don't know him. But Jesus was never interested in having fans. When he defines what kind of relationship he wants, an enthusiastic admirer isn't an option. My concern is that many of our churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to becoming stadiums. And every week all the fans come to the stadium where they cheer for Jesus but have no interest in truly following him. The biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits but not so close that it requires anything from them. That is powerful. Jesus is saying to each of us, it's time to determine your relationship. Are you a committed follower? Or are you just a fan, an enthusiastic admirer? Now, in order to be a committed follower and not just a fan, you must make a commitment and not just a decision. Look at John chapter 3 as we close. John chapter 3. You have this person by the name of Nicodemus. He is a fan of Jesus. He's very religious. Came to Jesus, verse 2, by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He is a fan of Jesus. He's a religious person. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court. He's an enthusiastic admirer of Jesus. Searched him out. He found him. But there was something missing in his life. He was a fan, but he was not a committed follower of Jesus. And so he was at a crossroads in his life. And he's thinking, if I follow him, if I commit myself completely to him, it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me my position on the court. It's going to cost me my livelihood. This is my only income. It's going to cost me. It's going to cost me my friendship with the other rabbis, with the other teachers, with the other Pharisees. It's going to cost me my friendship with my family. They're going to object that I have tied myself, so to speak, with this person by the name of Jesus. It's going to cost me. And with that in mind, there's a question, a question that will help you determine if you're a committed follower of Jesus or just a fan. Here's the question. Has following Jesus cost you anything? Has following Jesus cost you any time? Has it cost you any money? Has following Jesus cost you any respect? Has following Jesus cost you whatever? Has it cost you anything? Notice Nicodemus believed, look at verse 2, 
Verse 2 says, He came to Jesus and He said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher that's come from God. No one can do these things. He really believed that Jesus was from God. He believed in Jesus, really. He had reached a point of belief. Now here's a big caution. You need to jot this down. God doesn't disassociate belief and following. You cannot believe in Jesus and not follow Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you'll follow Jesus. There'll be a commitment. My dad used to tell me, I, I've shared this with you, and, and dad would say, well, we had, we had two come forward and make a commitment this morning. And I'd say, you had two saved? Well, yeah, they made a commitment. He was right. That's what being saved means. You make a commitment to Jesus, to follow Him. You see, God, God would not accept a relationship with Nicodemus just because He believed Him. But Master, we know that Thou art come from God, for no one can do these things unless God be with him. And just, Jesus wouldn't accept that. He, he said, listen, Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's, it's not about religion. It's not about ritual. It's about a new way of life that brings you into a commitment to follow me. Follow me. So here's the point of all of that. The gospel doesn't allow for belief without following. Now, belief without following is nothing more than just an enthusiastic admirer. Just a fan. James 2.19 says, Even the devil believes and trembles. If anyone believes in Jesus, the devil does. But he's not a follower of Jesus. He's not committed to Jesus. So when you read the Gospels... Jesus says to believe in me about five times. But he says, follow me about 20 times. So one's not more important than the other with believe and follow. But you can't disassociate them from each other. So when you read John chapter 3, you wonder, would Nicodemus ever move from the point of just believing about Jesus to the point to where he would be a committed follower of Jesus? Well, the next time you read about him is in chapter 7. Turn over there, if you will. John chapter 7. Jesus was, he was very popular. The religious leaders, they were jealous of him. They were fearful of him. The Sanhedrin wanted to silence him. They wanted to judge him. They wanted to accuse him as a false teacher. And notice, if you will, verse 50 in chapter 7. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, does our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? 
Now, they're fixing, to, they're fixing to silence Jesus, and Nicodemus is hearing their conversation. And then Nicodemus just kind of comes to Jesus' defense, and he says, hey, does our law judge any man before he hears him and, and know what he does? Look at verse 52. And they answered and said unto him, Art thou also a Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. Notice, he, he's not private about what he believes. And so at, at that moment, he kindly stops being a fan and he begins a journey on following Jesus. He speaks out. And, and they try to embarrass him. And they made fun of him. Oh, you know, there's nothing good comes out of Galilee... There's, there's nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Are you out of Nazareth also? They just tried to embarrass him. But all of this was a reality check for Nicodemus. Here's the point. All believers will be put in a position sooner or later where they'll have to decide if they are a fan or if they are a committed follower of Jesus Christ. You cannot follow Jesus without it interfering with your life. He will interfere with your time. He will interfere with your money. He will interfere with relationships. He will interfere with your life. You cannot follow Jesus and he will not interfere. He will interfere. John 19, after the crucifixion. After the crucifixion, they go to get the body of Jesus. And you'll find there in verse 38 in John 19, after Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, sought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave, and he came therefore. He took the body of Jesus. Verse 39, And there came also Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about a hundred pound weight. They took the body of Jesus, and they wound it in linen cloths with spices and all manner of as the manner of the Jews is to bury. And the place where he was crucified, and there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulchre, wherein was never a man laid. And they laid, there laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulchre was, was nigh at hand. Nicodemus kind of moved out of the night, kind of moved into the light, no longer a secret admirer of Jesus. He was not an enthusiastic admirer anymore, but he had become a committed follower of Jesus. John 19 records the last time really we hear about Nicodemus. Tradition has it that he was martyred, put to death for following Jesus. You know, Matthew chapter 7 is kind of a sobering chapter. Gets your attention. Verse 21 through 23 is kind of startling verses. 
really should cause us to evaluate our relationship with Jesus. So I guess today as Jesus is in this service, he'd like for each one of us to define the relationship that we have with him. What's your level of commitment to his church? Just a casual attender? A committed attender? About loving the, bo the body of Christ. Just casual love or committed love? Or serving casually from time to time? Or committed to the task of using your spiritual gifts? Or giving... You know, I'm going to just be honest with you. As we look down the hill down here, people say, well, Brother Sammy, my goodness, that's, that sure is a big building. It's not that big. How y'all going to pay for that? Well, committed Followers of Jesus will pay for that. That's how it be paid for. You have to ask, am I a committed follower or am I just an enthusiastic admirer? Am I just a fan? Have I believed and committed myself to be a follower of Jesus Christ? According to Matthew chapter 7, Fans don't go to heaven. Followers do. Let's bow our heads for prayer. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity that we have to just kind of look in your word this morning. And Lord, as you challenge us this morning to define the relationship that we have with you. And so, Father, throughout churches everywhere this morning there are two types of people they're committed followers and they're fans and so Father I pray Lord as we examine our hearts as we leave here today that we'll resolve in our heart that we are a committed follower of you not just a fan speak to our hearts Help us to realize, Lord, that we can't separate believing and following. They go hand in hand. You told the disciples, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They dropped what they were doing and they went and followed you. There when you began to feed 5,000. After all was finished with the meal. You gave a pretty tough discourse and you said, come and follow me. After they got what they wanted from you, they began to turn and walk away. Help us to learn a lesson from that. Help us to realize, Lord, that, that we just need to follow you and be committed to that task, whatever it takes, whatever area in our life. Thank you for what you're going to do today. I pray for people here who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life. And may they be willing to step forward today and say, Brother Sammy, I, I want to trust Jesus. I believe that he is the Savior. I believe that he came and he died on the cross for my sins and was buried and he arose again. And today I want to give him my life and I want to follow him. 
I want to commit myself to Him. I pray that people will come. I pray for those, Lord, that we've kind of examined our hearts and we've asked you to save us and you've saved us, but whatever reason, we've slacked up a little. May this be a time of recommitment and rededication. I'm so excited for what's ahead of us. But in order for your work to be accomplished, we're going to have to be committed. So help us to realize that. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry's going to lead us in hymn number? 305. 305. If you will, find that number. And as we sing the first verse, any decision you have this morning, you step out. Perhaps you may be here, you may be a guest, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ. Uh, we're not asking you to be a member of this church. But we're asking you to come know Jesus in a very personal way. You come this morning. I'll share with you how you can do that. You might want to come in rededication of your life as a Christian. And God's revealed a level of commitment there. It's not what it should be in a certain area. Come in and recommit that uh, level to Him today. That area to Him today. As we stand together and sing. Whatever your decision is.